Hey guys, it's Wednesday, July 10th. I got a suntan. I got a beer. Let's do this. Today on your favorite podcast, Devin Finzer joins me as a guest to discuss dApps and their future. He is the co-founder and CEO of OpenSea, the largest and most popular marketplace for NFTs in the world. With over 3 million NFTs, 120 plus categories, and under two years old, this is a good episode, people. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already and share it with someone you think needs to learn about blockchain. Enjoy. This is the Block Hash Podcast. Tell me a little bit about your story and how you got into blockchain. Sure. So I um, worked in tech in Silicon Valley um, right after I graduated. I studied computer science. Um, I worked at Pinterest for about a year and a half on the growth team. Um, and then I started a small company in the personal finance space that was acquired by Credit Karma in um, San Francisco. And then I started getting interested in crypto sort of mid-2017 um, alongside my co-founder, Alex. Uh, and we just sort of you know went down the crypto rabbit hole, started thinking of um, kind of ways to get involved in the space, reading more white papers, tinkering, um, and then finally, when CryptoKitties launched, that was kind of when we were like, oh, maybe there are some ideas that we could pursue uh, in the blockchain space that are a little more around uh, mainstream user applications versus like deep protocol stuff or more like along the finance lines of things. So Was, um, was CryptoKitties the first dApp that OpenSea had on its platform? That's correct. Yeah, so we started as just a third-party marketplace for CryptoKitties, um, which wasn't even very exciting because CryptoKitties already had its own peer-to-peer marketplace, so we were just kind of another way to trade CryptoKitties. Um, but then when more games started building game items or collectibles without having a marketplace for them, that's when things got a little more interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, CryptoKitties yeah. definitely kind of blew up the whole idea of dApps and everything. I remember when that really started it, because CryptoKitties really is kind of a, a silly idea at first, but it, it really kind of kicked off the whole idea of an NFT and what you can do with it. What were some of the, did you guys have any challenges setting up OpenSea um, from a technical standpoint or from a regulatory standpoint, or was it pretty easy? Well, I would say the main challenge uh, in the first you know, six months of launching the site was just that uh, ERC-721, which was kind of the standard for non-fungible tokens that was pioneered by CryptoKitties, was a very young standard. Um, And it's a little more of a, it's a slightly more complicated, sophisticated, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it has a lot more going on than just ERC-20, which is kind of a simple record of what address has what balance of tokens with the ERC-721 there's you know each token is unique and each token has metadata associated with it so sort of being able to support any ERC-721 token in theory was relatively easy but then in practice there were sort of varying degrees of compliance with the standard in the first while after um, CryptoKitties kind of pushed it out there as an idea. Uh, so I think the technical challenge was kind of dealing with a very early space where um, there were kind of still a lot of moving pieces. 
Now, I think ERC721 looks a lot more robust. Um, and there's, of course, like new standards coming out as well, but it's a little more reliable. Um, and so you can scale a marketplace a lot more easily on it. Gotcha. Are you guys the only like real marketplace for NFTs or do you guys have competition? Uh, we have some sort of early competition. Um, there are a few other marketplaces out there. Um, I think we're definitely the majority of the volume for a general NFT marketplace. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that as the space matures, I think there will be more and more um, competitors for sure. Definitely. As more of these blockchains start releasing more um, dApps, applications outside of Ethereum as well, you'll probably see all kinds of different marketplaces and stuff like that. Does OpenSea plan to really focus and zero in on just Ethereum applications or does mm -hmm. it want to branch out? Um, yeah, so we, we chose Ethereum because uh, we didn't really actually have a choice, I guess. we That was where all the activity was right. happening. That's where CryptoKitties launched. That's where Decentraland, all these new games were launching. Um, but we sort of take the approach of we'll go to whatever chains have the most usage and the most activity in the NFT space. So we've been sort of watching um, from the periphery these new uh, chains like Tron and EOS, um, we're, and then uh, some interesting sidechain solutions like Loom. Um, but we're, uh, we're still kind of in the, the research phase. Um, but we definitely, for sure, I think, you know, sometime in the next year, we'll definitely see a version of OpenSea that supports uh, multiple chains, not just Ethereum, because I think um, there will continue to be more experiments on, um, on different chains with different security models and things like that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, too. Do you think that Ethereum is going to maintain that dominance in the marketplace or do you think it's going to its share of that market pie is going to get smaller? Um, hard to say. I think Ethereum has a lot going for it in terms of sort of the DeFi space and um, uh, the community of developers that have built on it. Um, I think what we're seeing in the gaming space is that there's I, I think because the gaming space is pretty early and, you know, CryptoKitties was a breakout success in some ways, but there haven't been too many really big games that have been successful on Ethereum. I think developers right. are relatively open to adopting new chains. And if something that comes along that, you know, provides a nice cocktail of uh, scalability, throughput, um, usability, uh, developer support, I think that could be a serious competitor to something like Ethereum. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Ethereum has a lot going for it right now, but um, I definitely will think we'll at least see a lot of experiments on other chains. And we're already starting to see that with um, Loom Network, which I guess is sort of complementary to Ethereum. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's an alternative solution for running running your gameplay so it is in some ways a little bit competitive right and i'm sure there'll be plenty of options for developers to choose to build on and whatnot um are there like actual games on OpenSea, or is it mostly just collectibles at this point um there are actual games yeah so uh there are several trading card games um on open uh so those are games where basically you own the cards in the blockchain but the gameplay happens off-chain. 
Um, there are uh, sort of um, hybrid collectible games like CryptoKitties where there's some sort of breeding mechanic, but then, um, you know, collection is sort of the primary use case. Uh, and there are games like My Crypto Heroes, which is a Japanese role-playing game um, that's pretty popular in the Japanese market. Uh, and then there's a lot of games that are pre-launch, so they've launched their items and allow trading of the items, but the gameplay is not quite there yet. Um, so that's I would actually say that the majority of games right now are sort of in that pre-launch or alpha beta phase, um, and yet they've already released their items and kind of had a community around it. Um, and then Axie is another one um, that I guess is it's kind of a collectible, but it has um, you know sort of an interesting ecosystem of gameplay around it as well. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of applications based around collectibles. And then I've started to see like some small differences um, in terms of what NFTs are being used for, such as um, like Decentraland and crypto voxels and trying to build like this uh, pseudo metaverse and then trying to launch like certain games and stuff. So the diversity is definitely starting to appear in terms of what you can do with an NFT, but it still feels like there's a lot of use for just collectibles at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the crypto voxels uh, Decentraland metaverse use case is one I'm personally really excited about. Um, and I think once you have, or I guess that kind of, those things kind of complement each other. Once you have a metaverse type <laughs> space where you can put things in it, build things and put your NFTs in it, then mm -hmm. that provides, you know, even more value to the pure collectibles that are maybe, um, you know, licensed IP or something like that, you know, having an official, poster of a Deadpool thing and then being able to put it in your crypto voxels home is is kind of a nice little the complementary uh, role of the of metaverse type uh, project yeah the whole Deadpool thing was pretty cool I like the promotional stuff and yeah with the whole metaverse like with crypto voxels and uh, decentraland it's really cool that you can put your nfts or display your nfts like in world when people are like interacting and walking around and everything and it just kind of opens up the whole idea that you can eventually these nfts will be able to interact in all kinds of different ways like you might be walking around in your virtual metaverse walking your crypto kitty or playing with your your axie or something as silly as that but it, it creates some interesting opportunities to place ip around assets in a, in a virtual world and around in a virtual marketplace and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with that. Um, do you see NFTs representing real world assets or real world collectibles in the future? I know that that's being done sort of with art now, but do you th see that being pushed further potentially on OpenSea? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I know there was, I haven't followed super closely, but um, there was at least one or two experiments with something like that where um, you could sell an NFT, I think it was a Talik bobblehead or something like that, where you could buy it as an NFT and then redeem it as a as a physical thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's an it's an interesting opportunity. Uh, and it you know, you could basically have um, it, businesses that are dedicated to uh, taking custody of these physical assets and then tokenizing them and allowing them to be traded on a variety of marketplaces and you know maybe be, even be um, represented in a world like crypto voxels such that 
you could actually see that someone in a crypto voxels world has a physical thing. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, a lot of activity will happen in that space, uh, is my guess. Um, it's also a nice way to kind of back an NFT with real world value and kick off, um, some degree of like pricing and liquidity for the asset. If you know that, um, you know, if you're, if it's a rare sneaker that is actually a physical sneaker, um, and you know that at some point it could be redeemed for that, uh, you sort of establish a floor on the trading price, even the, even if it, it's primarily just used as a digital collectible and, and not actually redeemed. Um, so yeah, I think it's I, I think it's an interesting category, and some people think it's kind of the way that uh, you know more NFT activity will be bootstrapped. Um, I personally think that digital pure digital assets um, are interesting as well um and having this sort of uh ability to take digital assets into multiple different ecosystems may be a little more of what drives things but i think the physical world could also play a big role yeah i I know there would be a lot of interesting things you could do with objects in the physical world and putting that on the blockchain or representing it with an nft Um, because i've talked to a lot of people recently that would like to put their their house or their property or their car on a virtual marketplace represented by an NFT and sell it that way um, or buy something that way as well. So do you think OpenSea would go that direction as well to allow people to buy, sell and trade real world objects as well that are backed on the blockchain or does it want to stick to digital assets? No, we're definitely interested in the physical asset use case. And the nice thing about uh, ERC-721 is once you've tokenized an asset, um, I think right now uh, there is this kind of custody issue, right? Where, um, you know, I, I think it makes the most sense to have trading of ERC-721 tokens where the custody of the actual asset remains in the hands of some trusted third party. Um, but as long as you have a token, um, you know, it doesn't really matter if it represents a digital asset or a physical asset, as long as it's ERC-721 compliant we can support it. And so we're, yeah, we're super excited about these more novel use cases. Um, I guess the area where, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what role OpenSea will play is if we're at, if you're actually doing something where you're, you know, it, where it's a pure eBay style transaction where, um, you know, I'm right. selling a physical, uh, you know, shirt or something, and then I have to send it to your house. And so there is that trust, um, trust problem where, you know, make sure that I receive the shirt, make sure the seller receives the funds. Um, I'm not sure if OpenSea will go in that direction or not, because I think there's a lot of benefits to sort of playing in the, in the pure uh, digital space where, you know, you can rely on the moment an ERC-721 asset is transferred and the payment is transferred, that the swap actually, that was the full swap, right? Right. Um, so that's why I think the custodial solution is kind of interesting in the short run. Yeah, that is that's interesting too. And delivery does present like a lot of complications for any platform that wants to be decentralized or exist on the blockchain. So how do you see OpenSea evolving from here? Yeah, well, I think um, you know, for us, we're fully focused on building the best marketplace experience. So part of that is just adding a lot of marketplace specific features that 
users want and that developers can take advantage of. So an example of um, something we're starting to work on now is bartering. So being able to swap um, you know, one CryptoKitty for five cheese wizards or something like that, right? Um, so right. you know, that's a utility that once we launch it out to all the games that we support, any developer who wants to leverage OpenSea as their marketplace, the users of their project can immediately take advantage of that. So it's nice. Um, kind of every feature that we build, we um, you know we're always looking for what users want, and then we scale it out across all of the different assets that live on OpenSea. Um, and then the second area where I think um, or a big focus of ours is just working with more game developers directly. So um, uh, a lot of game developers want to implement marketplace functionality, but they want the experience to be integrated inside of their game. So as an example, um, the Formula One uh, game that launched recently, we had a sort of white labeled solution that was embedded in the Formula One site. And that, you know, we want to do more things like that where we provide um, game developers with like the OpenSea tool set and these assets are available for trading on OpenSea, but they're also um, easy to trade inside of the, the game itself. Um, so I think, yeah, over the next year or so, um, I will be more focused on just building out core functionality and then working with um, more projects. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, yeah, especially with the Formula One NFT that um, sold for like 415, 416 Ether or something like that. Is that the biggest sale you guys have had on OpenSea? Um, yes, I believe it is. Um, <laughs> there was one uh, sale a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't. I, I think we've run the math on which one was bigger, but. It was kind of a, a strange sale because um, there was this game, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Crypto Celebrities, um, but it was a sort of fast follow game to CryptoKitties where you could buy uh, a crypto celebrity, um, but on the crypto celebrity site, you had to buy it at a higher price. So it was kind of, it was called a hot potato game where basically you're trying to buy one of these assets and not be the last person who bought it because if you're the last person who bought it, you don't get to profit from the next sale. Um, and so we had uh, a crypto celebrity sell for um, 85 ETH, but uh, ETH at the time I think was at around like $1,100 or something like that. So it was, it was close, but I'm pretty sure the Formula One sale um, beat that by a little bit. Yeah, in terms of ether, at least that that is an incredible sale, an incredible amount of ether that someone would spend on a on a digital asset. Yeah. Do you think that's almost too expensive for an NFT, or do you think it's we're just starting to kind of break ground with what they'll actually be worth? Um, yeah, it's hard to say. I think for that type of asset, uh, it's really hard to price right. Um, uh, right. You know, it's it's not totally clear. Um, like all of the, you know, some, I guess there was a, there was a neon district item um, called the boss uh, that, that someone I think bought for maybe mm -hmm. 10 or 20 K. Um, and there the buyer had this whole plan around how he was going to be able to leverage that item in like multiple different ecosystems have kind of um, like a lot of use cases for it, not only in the neon district game, but in other game 
And so there, you know, it was interesting to think maybe that was the right valuation for it. Um, I think for non like super highly unique digital assets like the Formula One car, um, the market is a little more mature and sensible about um, you know what the price of a Axie, for example, should be based on its unique traits and characteristics. There's like a, a market history to kind of rely on. Um, so I think what's nice has been. Uh, I think we've seen a maturation of um, the NFT market such that like you can no longer just sell arbitrary collectibles and um, you know people know that if you're just selling something that doesn't really have any utility or sort of provenance to it that it's not going to be valuable. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say with these Formula One assets because they are you know uh, they originate from a a uh, very well-known IP owner and they'll have some use case in a game that's launching soon. So I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is hard to say because there's just such diversity of NFTs and what they can be used for and um, the stories behind them, the value behind them and the value in yep. the beholder. So yeah, obviously it definitely gets complicated. Um, I saw that you guys launched, I've been playing with it a little bit as well, a storefront yeah. for OpenSea. How does that work? Is that mostly for NFTs or is that for stuff off of OpenSea or what's the idea behind it? Yeah, so the storefront um, creator, well, so it's always been possible to deploy an ERC721 contract and immediately have a storefront for your items. So for example, if I was gonna create a game with items in it today, I could deploy the contract and immediately get it tradable on OpenSea. Uh, the challenge is that if you're not a developer, deploying an ERC721 contract uh, isn't always very straightforward. So the storefront tool is kind of um, a way to more easily deploy an ERC721 contract and kind of get a feel for um, creating unique assets on OpenSea. It was something that was in high demand um, from a lot of like artist type folks who weren't very technical but still wanted to be able to sell their art on OpenSea. And there's a couple other, uh, it's not really a focus for us. Um, there's a couple other apps, um, Mintable and Mintbase um, and Maker's Place that all, and I think there's there's even a, a couple more, um, that all do this, do a really good job of this. Um, for us, it was just, we, we saw so much demand from um, these artists who wanted to get storefronts really quickly up for free um, that we, we had, you know, had it in the works for a while and decided to ship it out. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was just playing with it and trying to uh, figure out how to use it and everything and wasn't sure if you guys had like a plan behind it or if it was just kind of popular demand. So the community wanted it or something. That, no, that's awesome. Yeah. So another thing that I've noticed on OpenSea that there's kind of a lack of is like social interaction and being able to kind of communicate. <laughs> um, and I know that part of that is yeah. difficult because you can't really verify who's who and it's kind of based on an ethereum address um, but it would be interesting if there was an, the ability to reach out to another address or another person that said they wanted to be public or to talk to that person or communicate or to negotiate on a nft sale do you guys have any plans for like social interaction on OpenSea? Yeah, it's it's one of our most requested features. Um, so we do hope to implement some sort of basic 
chat functionality um, as soon as possible. Right now, um, yeah, even even just having some sort of connection to your Discord account would be nice, right? Because uh, there's no that is where a lot of these folks are hanging out and talking about NFTs, and it's not always clear what OpenSea account links to which Discord. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a it's a natural feature for a marketplace that uh, we definitely want to build. Yeah, a Discord integration or something similar would definitely be helpful. Cause I think just about everybody in crypto is on Discord nowadays. It's kind of like taken over. Yeah, yep. Discord and Telegram. Yeah, Discord and Telegram. What do you see dApps evolving into as the market and the user base kind of grows? Cause I know that as we've kind of talked about, the dApps kind of serve as collectibles and they're starting to slowly branch out and to represent different things and to hold value in different ways. Um, but in your opinion, since you're kind of at the forefront of watching some a lot of this happen, do you see dApps evolving a certain way into the mm-hmm. future? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, what excites me most about dApps is, um, well, if you look at a dApp in isolation, I would make the argument that other than easy like payments with ETH, um, and I guess there are some use cases where a DAP in isolation makes sense, maybe in like the gambling use case or something where um, you really need to accept cryptocurrency payments that, that can make sense. But I actually think in a lot of cases, a single DAP often is just sort of a uh, poorer user experience than a you know centralized version of it. So for example, like, um, and and in this in, in sort of in the current state of where we are with Ethereum, I think that's the case. Um, so, like, if you were to kind of rebuild a uh, social network as a DApp, um, I would argue there's not much of a differentiator right now um, enough to kind of get a user to move over to the DApp version over the centralized version. Um, but what I think is actually exciting is when you have um, DApps that interact with each other. So we saw this, I think the first sort of smoke and instance of this was um, CryptoKitties layer two games that were built on CryptoKitties. So there was um, Kitty Race and Kitty Hats, which allowed you to race your CryptoKitties and accessorize your CryptoKitties. Um, and so now I think what we're seeing is that sort of collaboration um, between DApps is really what's unique about the space. So OpenSea being a really good example, I think, um, you know, it would be impossible for us to build OpenSea without um, a public blockchain and the ERC721 standard, right? If we tried, there are centralized marketplaces for game items, but they're isolated to specific games. Um, They're always at the mercy of um, Steam or the game developer and like they don't really scale very well, although they are you know, they are significant businesses, um, but really scaling a eBay style marketplace for um, digital assets re- required having um, a standard and a blockchain with which we could scale across, right? Um, and so I think we'll see, and I think CryptoVoxels is another great example, right? Um, CryptoVoxels was able to immediately integrate thousands of different types of NFTs and show them in world um, without having to go and like talk to CryptoKitties 
talked to Axie, talked to all of these different games. They just did that, you know, with um, with one integration um, uh, for every single ERC721 asset. So I think that's what excites me is sort of um, the ability for dApps to bootstrap off of each other and build off of each other. Um, and I think those right now we're really early, but I think the user experiences that will emerge from that bootstrapping and collaboration will ultimately be able to stand up against like centralized uh, experiences, right? I think uh, a great um, thought experiment is sort of if you look at a um, product like Second Life, which was a big virtual world where um, you know you could have these sort of miniature economies, you had people selling things, you had avatars moving around, but Second Life was always constrained by what the Second Life company could build, right? It was always like, um, you know, it wasn't this fully open economy with property rights and th third-party developer integrations. It was just, it was kind of its own ecosystem. So if you imagine, if you take something like CryptoVoxels or Decentraland, and you imagine what you could do if any developer could come in and build something, um, you could have, you know, things from other games come in, then I think that could lead to a much more exciting economy uh, an exciting user experience for people. So that's what that's what I think is exciting is sort of the the interplay between DApps um, as opposed to just like each DApp being on its own. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm definitely excited for the collaboration that you can potentially see from a lot of these different um, DApps, especially um, with CryptoVoxels and with Decentraland, being able to take um, an NFT and then with some maybe layer it somehow and then put it into like that metaverse and be able to like walk your crypto kitty or play with your hexi or put your um, or put your crypto punk somewhere or I don't know there's just so many creative things that you can do once you kind of start meshing all of them together and I, I don't know it's very exciting and yeah it's very early before we wrap up are there any important updates or things going on with open sea that you want to share with the audience or the listeners that they should be aware of yeah so we just uh are, we're finishing up our integration for 1155 items so this is a new standard that was pioneered by engine um so yeah we're um launching storefronts for the different engine categories um and making their assets tradable which is kind of um a big step for us technically um, supporting another standard um, and then um, the other one yeah I think the one on the horizon is um, bartering so being able to trade nfts for nfts uh, I think that'll maybe be a little further out but yeah I think those are the main the main updates cool cool glad to have you on I'm sure that the audience and listeners will enjoy hearing more about OpenSea and yeah thanks for coming on thanks yeah, thanks for having me.